You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Full top here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and let's do an Ask an Aggies Day. There's no football going on this weekend. Once again, the Aggies will miss another week. So let's just get your questions out of the way. Let's talk about the upcoming season in basketball. Let's talk about the upcoming season in football. Let's talk about anything you want to know about Texas A&M starting today. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, and I will add it to the repertoire. And secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man related content found here on LLP. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day right here at LockedOnPodcast.com. So again, I do this Ask an Aggies thing because of I think that it brings fans together. It gets some questions out of the way. I'm around the program a lot. I see what's going on behind closed doors. I meet with players. I understand what is going on in the SEC. So when I these questions get asked to me, I bring them up because of I feel like it gets me and my audience closer together. So let's just start off with this big one. Got this from Gigum12 on YouTube, actually. And, of course, it's the one that I'm always going to have to address. Why do you not care that Florida is ahead of A&M in the rankings, even though A&M beat Florida at home? Simple. If the season were to end today, Florida would not be in. Florida would not be in. That, that's why I don't care. Because even though Florida is fifth and A&M is sixth right now, you can justifiably say that the season were to end today, the four teams in the college football playoff at this very moment would be number one, Alabama, number two, Notre Dame, number three, more than likely Ohio State. And because they have the front runner for the number one overall pick, they have a stud defense, they have all these other pieces, Clemson, because of seniority, would get the number four spot with one loss. Now, let's just play this out a different direction. Alabama plays Florida in the SEC title game. That happens. Alabama beats Florida. All right, that's two losses to Florida. They're out. I Ohio State goes undefeated. And they're going to have a big test this week against Indiana. So I'm not going to be sold that they're even going to go undefeated. Right now, Indiana could actually make more of a conversation for the college football playoff than any other Big 12 team, Pac-12 team. I think it really is Indiana-Ohio State for that last or number three spot. But if Ohio State stays undefeated, they have Justin Fields, who has thrown more completions, less completion, less incompletions than interceptions on the year. And he's playing an elite level of football, and he's likely going to be the number two pick in the NFL draft. He'd be the number one any other year that Trevor Lawrence wasn't in. So you're going to put him in. Finally, you have Notre Dame versus Clemson. Whether you like Clemson or not, or whether you like Notre Dame or not, if Notre Dame was to say beat Clemson twice in the ACC championship game, you're not putting Clemson in. You're not. There's too many good one-loss teams out on the market to where you can't put Clemson in. So then Clemson would be out. Who's sitting at number six? A&M. Now up to number four. They play Alabama. What would happen if Notre Dame loses to Clemson? 
Well, you then would have to compare the losses. And to me, a loss to Notre Dame for Clemson without your star quarterback, it's not a big deal. A loss to Clemson with their star quarterback is kind of a bigger deal, Notre Dame. And the one loss on the season for AM came to the number one team in the country who has dismantled, disthrottled, and found ways to win without offensive pieces in Alabama. There's now an argument between Notre Dame and AM to get in. Overall, which one is the better team? That's where point differential comes in. And if it were to end today, AM leads in point differential over the Fighting Irish. So I don't worry about these little details because there's nothing to worry about. Uh, the one thing that Jimbo Fisher said that I disagree with is that he hasn't checked the rankings. He 100% has checked the rankings. I think everyone and their mother knows that. Who hasn't checked the rankings? But there's nothing you can do right now. Until a team in the top four loses, nobody's going anywhere. As long as AM wins, they'll flip back and forth between them and Florida for five. That'll be it. Until Notre Dame loses, they're going to be in the top four. When Notre Dame loses to UNC or they lose to Wake Forest, or they lose to somebody else at the end of the year, they're out of the top four, which means Florida goes in, which means Florida then loses to Alabama in the SEC championship. Right behind them is AM. That's why I don't worry about it because there's so many scenarios right now where AM does get in. And there's two where they don't. Number one, Alabama wins out except for Florida. And in that same game, Notre Dame loses to uh, loses to Clemson. At that point, it's then Clemson in, Florida in, Notre Dame out, Alabama in, and then, of course, Ohio State. And the only other option I could see is if Notre Dame wins – Clemson loses, Florida wins, Alabama loses, Florida, uh, Notre Dame gets the number one seed, Ohio State gets the number two, Florida gets number three, Alabama gets number four. Those are the only two. And there's a fluke shot in the dark that BYU somehow gets in somewhere in the conversation. Besides that, I don't see where there is that big of a deal. Let's move on to one more question before we go to break. Uh, this comes from James. James asked me, let's see, where do you think Kellen Mond fits in the NFL? Good question. Um, anyone who doesn't know, Kellen Mond did receive and accept his invite to the 2021 Senior Bowl. That's a big deal. Kellen Mond going to the Senior Bowl is huge for his numbers. It's huge for his production. It's huge for what he can bring to an NFL team. And this past year, he's been up and down. I mean, that, that that's kind of just the case. He's not been bad. He just hasn't been elite. Since his junior year, he said, I am the best quarterback in the SEC. Right now, he's not. He's maybe second, maybe third. But there's more to know about a guy like Kyle Trask and Mac Jones in their limited games this year than Kellen Mond, because Kellen Mond's been a starter for almost all four years in college. At the Senior Bowl, this should be a really good shot for him to impress some coaches, see where he fits, see what he can do with different receivers, 
all these guys are going to be seniors or they're going to be uh, juniors who were redshirted or sophomores who have graduated. They're going to be all players who have been in the system for at least three years. Let's just go with that. They're in the system. I look at all that and I wonder, will his numbers boost because he's working with better talent? Working with young talent is hard. I mean, seriously, if you've ever been the old dude in a company and you start working with a bunch of 25-year-olds, you're going to have completely different lingo of what to say and how to say it and who to say it to. And then I got to understand half the stuff you're saying. That's just part of it. It's the same thing. You work with younger talent. They're still trying to memorize the routes. They're still trying to memorize the patterns. They're still trying to memorize your cadence. They're trying to memorize your audibles. Veteran talent overnight is like, great. I did this at UNC. Great. I did this at Syracuse. I did this at Notre Dame. I did this at name a school here. They understand what is on the line and everyone is trying to boost their stock because if the senior bowl is five days, a pure practice and a game that nobody really cares about. The, 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 the scouts, there's one or two that stay during the week. Team wise, there's about nine scouts per team, nine or 10, every team, the game one, maybe two at lads people. That's just the reality of it. Where do I think? Uh, he fits right now. I would love to see him in Buffalo. I really would. I think Sean McDermott and Brian Dabble have something there that'd be really interesting. I don't think he would match up well with Josh Allen, but I do think that there are some you know big time things that match with them. One, their big time arms. One, their ability to move outside the pocket. One, their ability to stay outside the pocket, but instead of going for a run, stay, wait for the target to get open. They do have legs. They do have mobility. He's a lot lankier than Josh, but they're almost the same size and height. So I think Brian Dabble, if he does stay, that'd be a great place for him. I think the other good fit for him will be wherever Eric Bianami goes. I think Eric Bianami is one of those super talented-minded guys who is a disciple of Andy Reid and understands that I need a quarterback who isn't one-dimensional. And technically, off just merit alone, Mond is not one-dimensional. He's better at throwing than he is running. And I think that this is the year that he's shown it. But he still is a very sound runner. And so I think a team like wherever Bannon goes, which, which to me, I think that he's going to go to New York. I think if they go out and they don't go draft Trevor Lawrence number one, getting a guy like Kellen Mond in round three would be an even better fit. I think that that's where he ends up, you know, landing. I think also just throw it out there, Seattle, you know, I don't like Brian Schottenheimer. I don't think he's a good offensive coordinator, but I do think that learning from Russell Wilson, a guy who's been doing exactly what he's been doing for years will benefit him in becoming a more quality sound guy under center moving forward. But I think the Senior Bowl is a good deal for him. I think this is great for AM. I think this is a reason to watch the Senior Bowl is Kellen Mond and what he can go through because there's going to be a lot of talented quarterbacks out there, including Florida's Kyle Trask. If he can beat out Trask, one, Trask is not a first-round quarterback, but maybe Kellen Mond is. You never really know. You know what needs to come first in your life? Taking a break or a breather. Hitting that reset button is a huge deal. And sometimes you just need to have the right drink to go help you get through the day. That's why I recommend whenever you do try to hit that relax button, grab an ice cold beer that's literally made to chill. And that beer is Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this foot this season, 
there will be always an excuse to sit back, relax, and drink a beer. And Coors Light is the actual sponsor of sitting back, relaxing, and drinking a beer while watching college football. That's because their beer is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold pressed, made by the great people of the Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. And those blue mountains that are as cold as the Rockies let you know your beer is going to be ice cold waiting for you to take a sip. I know when I have an off day at work, I want to get home and drink an ice cold beer. One of those really tough days, and those Blue Mountains tell me I am in for a euphoria treat. I recommend Built Bar as the go-to beer when I want to unwind, and you should drink it when you want to sit back, relax, and drink a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new Coors Light delivery system at get.coorslight.com. And always remember to celebrate responsibly. Guys, this episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Go. Now, any single day in your life, you have to break through walls. Sometimes it's mental, sometimes it's physical, but do that with Built Go. And Built Go is just a small product. It's only 1.5 ounces, so you can put it in your briefcase for your meeting in the afternoon. Put it in your golf bag, get through the back nine. It's made just like a five-hour energy drink, but without the same crash feeling. So it's actually better for your body. And it comes in three different uh, delicious flavors, including chocolate mint, chocolate coconut, and peanut butter honey, my personal favorite. Built Bar is contained with collagen protein, and collagen protein is used for tissue joints, a hair, ref- a hair follicles, skin health, joint problems, and it's got all the great fast-absorbing stuff that is easier on your stomach than those citric, citric drinks. Now, also, it's got all the good stuff that includes beta-aline, B6, B12, B3, and a little bit of caffeine just to get you through your day. Go visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off of your next purchase. That's BuiltGo.com, LOCKED, for 20% off. Whatever wall you have to break through, do it right and do your body a favor. Start it off with BuiltGo. Let's go. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure that you for following the Lockdown Podcast system. Why? Because of every single day is your day for a Lockdown Podcast. And with over two dozen college sports shows, every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up and win your fantasy football league, there's always something for you to listen to. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day. Every single day is a Lockdown Podcast day here at LockdownPodcast.com. Keep the questions moving right along. Jerry 12, man. Where is the trap game now for AM? Uh, I still think it's the end of the year. Uh, my, my opinion is not going to change. I don't think Tennessee is that good. I never have. I've watched Tennessee for years, guys. I mean, I, I watched them when I was a student at Alabama. I've watched them since the Philip Fulmer days. I, I mean, I, I've watched them since 2010. It's been a while. They've never been good. They've always been kind of just there, you know, hey, we're we're a fringe top 25 team. Every once in a while, we'll get a big-time upset, but they cannot beat the big schools. Whenever they beat Florida, Florida was pretty much going through a rebuild at that point. They, they knew that Muschamp was not the guy. They knew that McIlwain was not the guy. When they when – I, I think they beat Georgia two, four, five years ago. Mark Rick was ready to be done. He was done. He was like, I'm out. I'm going to back to Miami. I'm going to my alma mater. I'm going to coach there for a few years, and I'm going to call it a day. I've had my fun. I can't win the big game. I'm out. You look at the teams that always contend, the A&Ms, the, um, the Alabamas, the Auburns, 
Nine out of 10, they don't beat those teams. In fact, they haven't beaten Alabama in 14 years. I mean, they don't know how to win those big games. This is a big game for AM. And they're going to be refreshed. They're going to be back in the sink. The thing that always I that I've said was momentum and having that drive kind of gets you exactly where you need to be. And if AM plays really solid football for the next several weeks, they are going to be in a good spot for the final two games that were supposed to be last weekend and this weekend. As long as that momentum does not die down, AM is going to clobber Tennessee. So Ole Miss is the trap game. Ole Miss's offense can put up a lot of points. Matt Coral is number two in passing in the SEC. I think also he's uh, number one in, or number two in total touchdowns. He has a high completion rating. He can win. There's a lot of talent out in Ole Miss's offense. The problem is their defense is cardboard doo-doo. If A&M's offense plays like cardboard doo-doo against this defense that is cardboard doo-doo, you're going to just go get doo-doo. But you look at the offensive side for Ole Miss, all they got to do is put up a few points. I mean, that's all they have to do. As long as they put up just a few points, they're going to be in a really good spot. Ole Miss is the number one passing attack in the SEC. It's more than Alabama. It's more than Florida. It's more than A&M. It's more than Mississippi State with Mike Leach. They have the number one passing attack. They also have a good run game with uh, Jerry on early. I think they're the number one or two in rushing yards there. So the offense can score. If A&M's offense does not come out and play hot and play strong, they're going to lose this game to Ole Miss. And this could be a monumental win for Lane Kiffin in his first year in the SEC. Other than that, there's no trap game. I'm not worried about Auburn. I'm definitely not worried about LSU. LSU is always feels like a trap game, or LSU always feels like the game to watch. It's not this year. There's just there's so much LSU lost last year. Now for AM, this is one of those few times where they get to go into Kyle Field feeling confident against the Tigers and know as long as we play our ball, we will end things on a positive note. That's the way I look at this LSU team. That's the way I look at this LSU game. I'm not worried about this at all. This is one of those few times where I look at the game and go, great. Good for you, AM. Go get that win. Same with Auburn. Auburn has too many issues at quarterback. They have too many issues on defense. They have too many issues in the run game. They don't have a number three receiver. Just, it's not the same team as last year. It's just not. And then when that happens, it's an easy win for AM, even though the game will be played in the Plains. I mean, that one's always tough. Next question. Where does Jimbo Fisher rank in the top coaches in the SEC? Uh, I'd go three right now. I would go number three. And then you can make an argument for four, but I would go three. I go number one, 100% being uh, Nick Saban. It's Nick Saban. There's no denying that Nick Saban, what he's done at Alabama, his legacy set. He wins one more national title. I, he is hands down the greatest coach to ever coach at the college level of all time. He's better than Bear at this point. Number two, to me, is Dan Mullen. Because Dan Mullen's been doing it way too long. Dan Mullen's been doing it in in Starkville. He picked up wins at a Mississippi State program that has since been swallowed by injuries, by bad coaching, by you know bad recruiting. He transformed two quarterbacks into top, you know, into top players at the next level. He has made a ton of talent. I don't think people realize how good of a defensive school Mississippi State used to be. I mean, you look at just names. 
Fletcher Cox, Montez Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons, Jonathan Abram, Darius Slay. I mean, they, there's Benardrick McKinney. There's names out there. And that's because of they were all playing under the Dan Mullen era. Dan Mullen helped recruit them. Dan Mullen brought them in. Dan Mullen's done a great job. And since going back to Florida, Dan Mullen has not missed a beat. His team is a top five team this year. He was top five in recruiting last year. They have been to two New Year's Six Bowls. So, yeah, I go Dan Mullen. Number three, I go Jimbo. I think that the reason I would say maybe four is Kirby Smart because what Kirby Smart has done at Georgia. But the thing is, Georgia should be better than what they are. They always lose one of these stupid games during the regular season. And it's to a random team. It's never to like a like an Alabama or a Florida every other year. It's a, oh, we're going to beat the crap out of Florida, but we're going to lose to South Carolina. We're going to kick Kentucky's keister, but then Missouri's going to hang around and they're going to beat us in, on, a, on a field goal. I look at all that and I go, okay, when you break down his record and Jimbo's record and you look at this history of the two schools and you look at their history of being coaches, Jimbo in his second season in College Station, faced off against the number one team three times. That was the first time in AP pool history. He also faced off against the number two, three team in the AP rankings, both of which were at number one at one point. And he faced off against another top 10 team in Georgia. And he faced off against another top team in Auburn. He went over five last year. That's tough. But those were all five losses to top 10 teams. The year before his most monumental win in AM history, the seven overtime game at LSU. They also haven't really lost games they were supposed to win. Auburn was toss-up. LSU, best offense in football. You were going to lose that. I'm sorry, AM fans. You may not like that, but you were. Alabama, Nick Saban's still there. Every once in a while, good luck. One team will beat Nick Saban. One. It wasn't you. Not that big of a deal. Um, yeah, Clemson, you're not beating Clemson. In Clemson, no. If the game was in College Station, maybe. Because they almost did the year before. But in Clemson, no. You're not beating Clemson. Um, and then last but not least, Georgia. Georgia should be better than AM with the recruiting, with what they had and has had as a better roster, with what they had on both sides of the ball. They should have. And it came down to the wire. It really was a close game until the final six minutes last season. But AM doesn't lose to Mississippi State every year. They don't drop one to South Carolina. They don't just lose a game here and there to Kentucky. So I look at that and I go, yeah, Jimbo Fisher has maybe underachieved for a guy who's getting paid a hundred uh, getting paid a 10-year contract for 70 million. Has he though? Because last year just was a really tough year. This year he has one loss, and guess who it's to? The team that everybody knows is likely going to beat AM. Everyone else he's beaten, including a top five team, the most monumental win of his career in Florida. We got a few more questions before we go out today. Make sure you listen in, and we'll be back in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following the podcast here on iTunes and Spotify. And make sure that you also listen every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. This question comes from Aggie12thMan.com on email. All right. 
Are you surprised at the Cam Brown transfer? No, I'm not. The reason I'm not is because of any single time you look at college football, when you get a starting job originally, so whenever you get a starting job, whether that be your freshman year or your sophomore year or your junior year, and then by the midway point of the season, you're barely seeing snaps, it means you either were not good enough or your time is over or you had an injury and you're just not able to come back from it. There's plenty of reasons why players transfer here and there. But the biggest reason that I've noticed is the lack of production. Cam Brown had his opportunity to really step up and play that slot role, especially with injuries galore. Courtney Davis out. You know, Cam, uh, you had Jamon Osmond, you know, opt out for the year. You also had uh, Cam, uh, Cameron Buckley, who was going to be the starting slot receiver out. You had Anaya Smith, who was the slot receiver last year, now in the backfield as a running back. Hezekiah Jones, not playing. He's hurt still. You had your moments to really step up and be the next big name in the game at the position, and you weren't. And that's a problem. And now you have Hezekiah Jones back, so you have that veteran talent. And you look at the talent behind him, Dylan Wright, Damon Demas, Musa Muhammad III. It's not like he's just sitting there going, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'll am i be fine next year. Hezekiah's got one year left. I can come in my senior year and do No, because recruiting is going to continue to happen. Because recruiting is going to continue to happen, which means you're going to get pushed down further on the death chart. And eventually, your three-star talent is going to be working somewhere else and not trying to get to the NFL in a few years. So am I surprised that Cam Brown's, you know, putting his name in the transfer portal? No, I'm not. Where he will go, that's a big question. Will he go to a smaller school and just try to be a big name in a small pond? Or will he try to stay in Division One football and maybe go to a school that has an established offense that could just use a guy in the slot? Could he stay in the SEC and kind of boost his stop? Who's to say? But I'm not surprised because when you look at the talent behind him, this is why he's heading out. I got time for two more questions. Who has had a better season, Anaya Smith or Isaiah Spiller? I want to say both, but I mean, I'll go with Anaya Smith because if he's more multi-tooled. But in the past few weeks, Devon Shane has come on immensely great, especially in the passing game. Little dump passes that allow him just to work up field, make big-time plays in the open field, score touchdowns. I mean, he scored a 34-yard touchdown two weeks ago against um, South Carolina. He also rushed for a 30-yard touchdown. And the week before that against Arkansas, he had another big-time rush. I think he has four touchdowns on the year, and he's only played in, like, five games. He didn't play the first two. I look at that, and I go, great. You have a multi-tool player. But what a nice Smith can do is he shows that – he could be a last second resort for Mon, who's either trying to run it or trying to look for the option. He just stands right there, goes, there we go. And then he goes, breaks free. I look at that and that's a great deal. And you look at his vision, you look at his footwork, you look at what he can do with his hands, you look at his pure strength for a guy who's five foot ten. He's actually built like a tank and it's hard to bring down. So add all that together, to me, that's a player who is so talented. You just want him on your roster. You'll find a spot for him. He can play 
nickel corner for all I care. I just want him on my roster. Spiller is a workhorse. Spiller is exactly what you want for a lead back in college, in the NFL. Ground, pound, make defenders miss the line of scrimmage, get to that second line of defense, pick up four or five yards, eat the clock, pick up first downs, continuously make plays. And that's what AM's done. I mean, you look at their rushing attack, they're number four in the, in the conference. And it's mostly because of Spiller. I mean, they have over 1,100 rushing yards. I think about 55% of them come from Spiller's carries. But Smith just is also used in the passing game. He leads the team in receiving yards. All that, to me, says who's having a better year. Both are just having good years. But the one who I think I'm more surprised at, because I did not think it was going to be used as much as he is, is Smith. So I have to give the credit to Smith. Let's go one more question. Does AM make the college football playoff? Today, no, they don't. But it's not because Florida does, if that makes you any happier. I think AM has the best chance of all these teams, of the Indianas, of the Cincinnati's, of the BYU's, of the Miami's, of the Florida's. Of those five, AM has the best shot. The biggest question will be, does the college football playoff committee consider Notre Dame? Notre Dame, in the past, has not been a team I would ever consider. One loss, you're done, because they're an independent. This past season, to make sure they had a season, to make sure that this conference had a season, the ACC added the Fighting Irish. Now, when I say that, you're like, what do you mean? Well, the ACC has Notre Dame in every other sport except for football. They're independent in football. They're playing ACC teams. They're beating ACC teams. They've only had one non-conference game, and that was against South Florida. Everyone else, they're beating ACC teams. When you're beating teams in your conference, there's less of an argument. There's more of a defining factor. Yeah, They lost to the number one team in Clemson, and they also beat the number one team in Clemson. Where do we sit on this? That's why I think that Notre Dame is at least going to be in the conversation. Now, again, if A&M plays lights out consistently, they play exactly how they were playing against Arkansas and South Carolina, there will be an argument to be made that two SEC teams deserve to be in the college football playoff right now over a Notre Dame team or over a Clemson team. And if Clemson loses, they're done and AM's in as of right now. 100%. But if Clemson does not lose a second game, they're a one-loss team, their seniority, they have the number one pick in the college football, I mean the NFL draft next year. It's hard to say why they would be anywhere else but that. For that reason alone, I say AM is going to finish number five because I do think that the SEC championship game will end with Alabama host, hoisting another trophy and Florida losing. Florida has two losses. They're going to be number nine. They're going to be right there with Georgia, nine, eight. They'll be lucky to go to a New Year's Six Bowl because AM is going to at least take one of those New Year's Six Bowls and they're going to have to go for the at large bid. 
That's going to be this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us here on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson right there. And also make sure you're following me at Locked on Aggies. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Tomorrow's show, let's start talking basketball season. Buzz Williams and the 12th man are looking for another season in SEC play. And there's definitely a little bit more competition going into 2020 than there was ever going into 2019. Let's discuss that all day tomorrow. We'll see you then. And remember, this has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.